1: What's up, everybody? It's listener questions live on Friday afternoon, barely Friday morning for some, but it's good to be here talking some Bengals football ahead of a big, big matchup between the Cincinnati Bengals and the Baltimore Ravens, and we are not only breaking down that game for you, but we are going to be taking your questions. The listeners are in control of this episode, and we're going to answer your questions. We're going to have a little fun, talk about what's, what's coming this Sunday, John. What's going on, man? Been a, been a couple of days, but it feels a lot longer. How, how you doing, dude? It's
2: a little cold here in Cincinnati. It was like 55 and I woke up this morning. I got the long sleeves and I got the sweatpants going on right now. So it feels like football weather. It feels like competitive in the AFC North weather right now.
1: Yeah, I like it because even where I am, I've got kind of similar temperatures, similar uh, cold it's, it's gray outside. It's just, it feels like fall. Feels like fall. Feels like football. And a big one coming up this week. We are going to be answering your questions. We'll be here for a little while here. So get those over to us, however you uh, prefer. We've got the email, theobinsider at gmail.com. We're keeping an eye out there. We've got a number of different live chats that are going on right now, whether it is in... The Cincy Jungle post, there's a there's a comment thread there. We've got the live stream on the YouTube channel as well as Cincy Jungle's Facebook page. And of course, you can call or text 949-542-6241. We've already got some queued up. Keep them coming to us. We'll be here for a little while answering your questions. Big weekend ahead. I think I've said that about 17 times already so far, but can't emphasize it enough. John, where do you want to start as we get going with things here?
2: So we had a question from Twitter um, from at Fanatic Cincy. He's asking us about a matchup on both sides of the ball that you, Anthony Kazenta, are looking forward to seeing the most. So we got a matchup from Bengals offensive player versus a Ravens defensive player and a Bengals defensive player versus a Ravens offensive player.
1: I am very, very curious this week, and I know we've got another question, and my answer will probably be a little bit in the same vein with it. I am very, very curious to watch what Tyler Boyd does this this weekend. I think the Ravens will do whatever they can to try and double and frustrate Jamar Chase, take the big play away from Cincinnati. Um, you know, T. Higgins, he's been obviously valuable, there, but there's been a couple of drops, and he's had some health issues as well this year. Um, so a little bit of a wild card there. Tyler Boyd had the one huge game, but he's been a little bit of an afterthought in the offense You know, C.G. Uzama had the big game against Jacksonville. Chase has been a focal point. Higgins has had plays here and there. Um, So, really, it's Boyd against whoever they want to match up him with against Baltimore, whether that's Humphrey, if they want to play him in the slot, whether that's somebody else, I don't know. But um, I'm really interested to see Tyler Boyd against that Ravens defense because I think if I'm seeing and hearing things the way that that I think they're going in terms of the Baltimore defensive game plan – I think Boyd may be a focal point this week.
2: It would be nice to see Boyd. You know, it, it's like a rotation of who has this, who has these like great games. You know, it's, sometimes it's Boyd, sometimes it's Chase. Most of the time, it has been Chase. But if that mm-hmm. is the plan for the Ravens to completely erase him away, Boyd does have a history of being a Ravens killer in his own right. I'm looking more towards the the trenches because that's where where I usually end up at. DJ Reader going up against former Bengal Kevin Zeidler, I think, is an interesting one just for how well. Reader has been playing not only as a run defender, but as a pass rusher. I think Zyler is continuing to play like a solid player that he's always been at. But Reader is playing on another level compared to what he usually is at. So that's a huge matchup to watch. But also on the right side of the Bengals offensive line, how the Riley Reef handles Justin Houston. You know, the Ravens, they've kind of retooled their pass rush because they've had some guys leave. But Houston has been basically the equivalent of the Steelers adding Melvin Ingram. Just another guy on the, on the back half of his career, but it's still Relatively effective, he's winning as a pass rusher 24% of the time on true pass sets, according to Pro Football Focus. Riley Reef kind of quietly been up and down this year, not exactly a stone wall of protection at right tackle. So he's going to have his hand full, hands full against an elderly pass rusher who's still getting it done.
1: Yeah, I, I guess I didn't give my defense versus offensive pick. I guess I would go Trey Hendrickson against Alejandro Villanueva. Ronnie Stanley out for the year now, so Villanueva, a guy that was thought the market would be a, a lot hotter for him in free agency, ended up landing still in the division, um, and now is playing a very important position there. Hendrickson going up against him, Hubbard, you know, all of those guys on the on the defensive line getting after Lamar and and what you know will they be more of a a contain type defense or what have you we'll have to see but um good question nonetheless there let's keep moving on there is there was an email from Lynn uh talking about the running back position if Chris Evans isn't the number 2 running back now I don't know who is well, well that would be P Ryan um if it's not him but I understand I understand what what the you know I understand the sarcasm there. I got that through the email. Uh, Do you see him picking up eight to ten carries a game, John?
2: He should probably. No, not eight to ten carries. Eight to ten touches. I would say he's more viable as a receiver. I mean, I don't really want anyone aside from Joe Mixon running the ball. If I'm the Bengals, I think. You know, people know me. I'm not the the biggest proponent of using Joe Mixon. But I think when it comes to him, P Ryan and Evans, he's definitely the most talented ball carrier and he fits well with what they're trying to do. And he's having arguably his most successful year. So, you know, there's no reason to really give Mixon a lot of breaks rushing the ball because he shouldn't be carrying the ball more than 20 times a game anyways. But yeah, Chris Evans, I think deserves to be rotated in more with Joe Mixon in the passing game and they can use both of them in the passing game. They can kind of get creative, having one in the backfield and having one maybe out wide, But yeah, like at most eight to 10 touches for Chris Evans. I don't think that's an issue as in in any way, shape or form, but this team is loaded with pass catchers and just guys who can touch the ball and just create plays off of it. So you don't have to necessarily get Chris Evans that involved, but yeah, he's talented enough where he should get his opportunities.
1: Yeah. Carries is in touches. That's the, the operative word there. I agree with you in touches. And really, I mean, while he's, he made a couple of nice runs last week where he is doing, the bulk of his damage is in the passing game as a receiver so far this year. So, um, you know, and as, as defenses may be able to do different things against the, the Bengals wide receivers at, at different times in the games, having an extra weapon like that in the passing game is always a nice option. And if the Bengals get in a bad situation in a drive, you know, a second and long, etc., cetera um, you know, that having that outlet to kind of get you back into third and manageable on a, on a a lot of times a layup or a, a gimme pass that's kind of sitting right there um, to get you third and manageable, maybe even sneak you a first down there. That's always a, a good thing. I think he needs to be more involved than we've, we saw earlier in the year. But um, again, now we've got P. Ryan coming back off the COVID list. He may be in the mix a little bit more, but I, I do think that Evans proved that he can stand up and do a lot of different things the blocking, the running, the catching, uh, in extended touches last week. We've got a call on the line, and it's our, our good friend Terrell. Haven't heard from him in the last couple of episodes, I believe. Terrell, what's going on, bud?
0: How you guys doing?
1: We're doing all right, man. How are you?
0: I'm doing all right, man. I know you probably didn't recognize my number, but I actually lost
1: my phone, man. Oh, but, uh, that's not good.
0: Yeah, yeah, I know. But, I mean, I got the contacts and everything, but it's – It's all good, but I'm
1: just You saved our number, so that's good.
0: Yeah, (laughs) that's, yeah. (laughs) Most of the important numbers,
1: yeah. That's right, that's right.
0: uh, I got to say, though, I'm ready for this mini uh, playoff game this weekend, though, man. It's the uh, talk of the town, and... I know everybody laughing about the Logan Wilson and the Lamar Jackson thing, but man, it's just so funny how when we down, they love to beat us up, but when we start winning and they know we good, they love to turn into the villains, though. And it, I mean, it is what it is. It's cool. I like it, though. It's
1: cool. <laughs> yeah. Uh, the, but, uh, we, we, we talked about the Logan Wilson thing um, this week with our, our guest from 410 Sports Talk, and we'll talk a little bit more um, about that in just a sec. What else you got on your mind?
0: I, got, I just got to say, uh, I, Zach, man, he, he he's growing. He, he really is growing into a nice coach. Um, I just believe uh, Jawan Chase is the number one receiver by, by the end of this year. And T. Higgins will be the number two. And Boyd will be number three.
1: Well, that's kind of how and, it's shaping um, up as of now. But thanks, Terrell. Enjoy the weekend, man. Let's hope those Bengals get a win for for you and for all of us, huh? Oh, yeah, you already know. Have a great one. All right, take it easy, bud. Um, the, I, I don't know that you talked about it. We didn't really talk about it too much because we asked the other guys on Wednesday night about the Logan Wilson-Lamar Jackson thing. What do you? I mean, I just felt that it got totally spun out of control and, and overblown because the words were not um, – they were just kind of misconstrued by NFL media members that have some prominent Twitter followings and, you know – what he said wasn't really what was portrayed to be what he said. And obviously he clarified some things on the Jim Rome show, but uh, what are your thoughts on, on the Logan Wilson, Lamar Jackson comments, John? Well, when Jamar chase answered questions back in August about uh, the differences
2: between catching in college football and in NFL football, (laughs) they got taken out of context too, because there are words on a piece of paper on a transcript and you can make them interpret, In any way, shape, or form that you want, if you don't listen to what it was actually saying, you can just misconstrue based off of what you want it to say. So when Logan Wilson puts he is a running back playing quarterback, that means that he is actually a running back who's just playing out of position. When in reality, he means that he is playing quarterback, but he has the talent of a running back, which is exactly how anyone should be able to describe Lamar Jackson without it being construed as negative. It's actually... The greatest compliment that you can give to a guy who probably should win MVP at this point. That, like, this is why it, it, it's not smart for guys to talk to the media at this point, or, to, or to, it's not smart to give out answers that are engaging and that can create discourse because most of the time that discourse will be swayed against you based off of what agenda that you might have. It's just, it's unfortunate, but it's just the way it is now.
1: Yeah. And, uh, you know, immediately I saw the comment. And I saw the video on Sunday. I think it was coming across right before we did the the post game show. And I'm like, okay. That, I mean, I, I didn't even think of it as a any kind of slight. And then a couple of reporters took it and ended up running with it and taking it a different direction, or letting the masses decide what Logan Wilson really meant. Um, and then, of course, Logan Wilson had to defend himself on his Twitter account and on the Jim Rome show throughout the week, noting what he actually meant. really kind of going back to originally what he said, (laughs) I mean, it just it kind of got spun out of control. It's it's
2: the order. It's the order of which he said it. If he said that he's a quarterback who runs like a running back, that that's it, it can't possibly be taken into a negative context. But if he's a running back who plays quarterback, that is the trigger right there. Yep, absolutely. Where are we going next? So I wanted to get to the Cincy Jungle comment section, and you guys you guys can leave questions in the Cincy Jungle comment section of our listener questions post. And VA Jungle is asking, how much of Trey Flowers do you think we will see this week, and how much do you expect him to be used in the secondary?
1: Not much. Uh, not this week. I think this week, the focal point is you're going to see, um, in all likelihood, you're going to, and I got to check the injury report and everything. We got to keep an eye on everything, but probably going to see more of the Ricardo Allen type of situations that we saw, um, in in week one. And I think there's just going to be an emphasis on the Bengals taking away the, the run game. I, you know, Doing things, uh, maybe a spy on Lamar, playing contain with the edge defenders, that sort of thing. Um, and, and uh, having kind of some big bodies out there to try and, and negate the run game a little bit, try and make them one dimensional. Um, and and even that, Lamar Jackson has proven that he's taken some nice strides again this year in the passing game as well. So even forcing them to be one dimensional isn't going to be. Easy for them to defend either. So I don't I don't necessarily think there's going to be a ton of Trey Flowers. The big the big caveat there is if there is a massive struggle from Eli Apple, um, which there have been some struggles, but they seem pretty committed to playing Eli Apple out there uh, at this point.
2: And to Eli Apple's credit, he played pretty well against the Lions, but it's also the Lions, and I don't think anyone on this program can name who the wide receiver he was going up against. But, yeah, it's going to be Eli Apple out there. It's going to be a woozy opposite of him. Unless one of those guys goes down, he's going to be on special teams, basically. The only reason why he wasn't active last week is because they acquired him so late in the week. I don't know if he got through protocol. He barely knew the playbook. It wasn't like a Quentin Spain situation uh, last year when they they picked him up off the practice squad. So he's going to be a backup who maybe plays special teams this week. Right.
1: So let's kind of talk about this a little bit, kind of a, a continuation question. We got a text from the 330 area code. Um, will Zach Taylor install wrinkles this week um, that are specifically designed for the Ravens? Uh, so I, I'm i assuming that is maybe more on offense type of a question because he is the play caller and he does have his hand more into the offense than on defense. But uh, what do you think on that one, John?
2: Yeah, there's a lot of people asking uh, any new wrinkles any new schemes to face a defense that consistently gives this team you know troubles and just how to avoid a slow start in in, in all in itself because that's been another big problem I think it just comes down to execution man I think their concepts that they're trying to work that they are trying to roll out are fine but when they don't work people are like okay we need to switch things up they need to try something different it's just guys actually executing better I honestly do think that I honestly think that like they didn't have any There wasn't any conceptual issue with how they were trying to do things last year. They just couldn't block. They couldn't block anyone on the Ravens defensive line. They had no idea when blitzes were coming. Joe got abused back there. I think if the offensive line is just better, then they'll have more success doing what they can do. I think they can do a better job of maybe doing more different things out of shotgun, maybe, to try to set up some play action, to try to stifle some of that pass rush coming down. But I don't think they have to do anything special to beat the Ravens defense. I think they just have to block.
1: Uh, Yeah. And you know, my mind went in a bunch of different directions on this. And when I first saw it, I thought back to Zach Taylor's very first game as Bengals head coach, where they were doing flea flickers against the Seahawks and all kinds of different plays. That hasn't really happened with with Joe Burrow, those kind of wacky plays. It's been more, you know, real specific design type of play calls this year has been more balanced with the run game, that sort of thing. Uh, I don't know what you think about this because you mentioned, you know, the the inside blitzes and the the stunts and all that kind of stuff that kind of brings inside pressure and we know that the right guard and center spots have kind of been the weaker areas on the offensive line here, but is this a week that you see, you know, we talk about Chris Evans maybe getting more snaps, um tight end is is a conversation piece, CJ Ozama stepped up in a couple of games being a nice receiver. Is this kind of a, a game where those guys do a little bit more of the the behind-the-scenes blocking type of work to help negate not only like running backs negate some of those inside blitzes, etc., but using tight ends as as chippers and and that sort of thing to aid in the blocking game.
2: Yeah, chipping and checking is the key word for tight ends because you don't want Drew Sample going up against another edge rusher no. again because it usually no. leads to a sack on Joe Burrow. But yeah, I think that's the biggest thing when it comes to how they differentiate or how they distribute snaps between Peter Ryan and Evans. Do they trust Evans now? in pass protection now that uh p ryan has come is coming back and is- and should be good enough to play his regular type of workload so p ryan has not been very good in pass protection this year and chris evans was brought in with the mold of Giovanni and bernard and his pass protection and he's done a lot of work this offseason to get up to that level of acumen and i think he's ready for the challenge so if he is going to play a decent amount this game and not take away a lot of touches from joe mixon pass protection should be where he's best utilized and i think he'll do a good job against it
1: okay uh, we're going to be here for a little while longer, answering your questions on Listener Questions Live, the episode where you guys control the show. So get in touch with us, 949-542-6241, either call or text. We've already got some texts coming in here. We've got a comment thread rolling on CincyJungle.com and a couple of live chats on Cincy Jungle's Facebook page on our YouTube channel And uh, we're we're looking at Twitter and all kinds of different things. Email theobinsider at gmail.com. You can hit us up there, too. Uh, You can get this show if you're new to it. You can get this show on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio, all the major audio platforms as part of the Cincy Jungle Podcast channel, our show, The Orange and Black Insider, as well as Matt Minnick's Coach Speak and Chalk Talk episodes, and Ace and Zim's, Orange is the New Black, all part of the Cincy Jungle Podcast channel. And then, of course, if you like the video stuff, you can subscribe to our YouTube channel. There's a little icon right by John's microphone there. You can click on that to subscribe and hit the bell to be notified when we go live, when new content is available, etc.
0: With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice,
1: What do we have next, John?
2: So there, we got some questions about the trade deadline coming up. I think someone yeah. asked about um, the Bengals potentially trading for a tight end. Recently, the Philadelphia Eagles traded uh, Zach Ertz to the Arizona Cardinals. Outside of that, I don't know another tight end that's particularly on the trade deadline. But I guess, Anthony, what are your thoughts on them maybe upgrading behind C.J. Zoma at the deadline? Because it's not something that the Bengals usually do.
1: Yeah, I don't, I don't really see it. I don't know what players that... Would really move the needle would be available. And if they were dissatisfied with who with their tight end group, maybe it would maybe they would call up a, a Thad Moss on the active roster instead of making a different move there. But they seem to like Mitchell Wilcox as a special teams guy. He gets the occasional offensive snap. Drew Sample has continued to struggle as a pass receiver, but they like what he does in the blocking game and CJ Ozama stepped up and had a nice rebound year from that injury uh, that cut his year short last year. Um, I just don't really see anyone that that I can think of off the top of my head that would really move the needle. I I think the Bengals kind of made their trade move, if you will, quote-unquote, by the Flowers pick up on waivers. I think that may be one of the, the moves they were looking to do to bolster the cornerback group. Maybe they look at an interior offensive lineman to help things out there, but Um, I don't really see a move being made unless there's another major injury or a COVID situation or something like that. I think their roster is pretty set right now and they're just waiting for some of these guys to come back from injury. Yeah.
2: It's honestly one of the benefits of covering the Bengals is that I never really have to worry about tracking the (laughs) trade deadline because nothing's really going to happen.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Only, only back in 2011. That's, that's the only time that, uh, you know, some of that stuff happens. I mean, there's been a couple of others, but uh, yeah, I, I just, And if it is something, I don't think it would be something that would be like, oh, wow, this is like, you know, something, something crazy. But I just I don't know. I don't really see that being the case, but we'll see. Stranger things have have happened, I I guess. I want to get to this one, a text from Dan in Tennessee. He actually sent this to us last week. Um, but we didn't take the air for listener questions last week. So um, we wanted to make sure we got to Dan's questions. He had sent us a bunch and he's like, guys, I'm not sending them anymore. You never answer my question. So I said, you know what, send us another one and he sent us a couple. Um, and so Dan, we want to, we want to get to yours there. Um, you know, we're talking a lot of Ravens, etc. cetera, but uh, I want to go to the first part. If we just addressed his, his second question about the tight end move before the trade deadline, but uh, how many wins do you think it takes for Zach Taylor specifically this year to merit an extension? I was kind of talking about that with the 410 sports talk guys on their show a little bit. They said, you know, what has he done enough to merit an extension at this point? I said, not at this point. A four and two record at this point, even though things are looking like they're going in the right direction, you gotta let this season play out. But in John, in your estimation, where the Bengals need to be in order for you think the ownership group and the fan base to be comfortable with an extension for Zach Taylor.
2: coaches' contracts are always weird to me because we don't know the actual details of this unless they're like announced when whenever they're hired. And we never knew the total length and financial details of Zach Taylor's contract. But I would assume any number of wins that get him into the playoffs and potentially a playoff win gets him an extension. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm assuming he's under contract for like two more years after this. He may be signed a five-year deal back in 2019. But yeah, like Marvin Lewis, look at the timeline. He got to the playoffs in his third year. He won 11 games that year. Unfortunately, did not win the playoffs, but that basically got him a contract for life. If Zach Taylor does something similar, gets into the playoffs this year, is competitive in the playoffs, even gets a playoff win, I think if he didn't, he, if he doesn't just get an extension, he at least gets some verbal loyalty from the Brown family to say like, okay, we're we're bought into your vision completely, even more so than we are when the season began, and you're going to have stability going forward.
1: Yeah, I just, you know, if I was to be comfortable with that, um, I, I'd i like to see a, a winning record if possible this year, or at least very, very, very close to a winning record this year. Um, and then, you know, I still would maybe wait if there is kind of that five-year contract structure that you talked about. I would still maybe wait to see how things start playing out, maybe even early next year to make sure that things are still continuing on the upswing. This this season for some folks is kind of right on par where a lot of people thought the Bengals would be. Um, some people are, are a bit surprised and thought the Bengals may have two or three wins at this point in time, being four and two and six points away from being six and O oh, um, is, is pretty dang good. So I think at a minimum, you got to let this season ride. And this season, you got to have something that resembles a winning season, maybe even something that sniffs a playoff berth. And fortunately... They need to uh, – they're in position to do so. The other thing, John, it's it's been very nice. That Zach Taylor has beaten the Pittsburgh Steelers the last two times he has faced them and done so in pretty dramatic and, and emphatic fashion. But you need to start getting the occasional win against the Baltimore Ravens. You need to uh, gain a little consistency with the Cleveland Browns again. And I think those are areas that this ownership group should and will look at when talking about extending Zach Taylor.
2: This week, ago, this week we'll go a long way to do that. We have a question from Brandon Batchelor, but not spelled like Bachelor in YouTube. Do you guys think the Ravens will put up 30 points on a Sunday? Our defense has not given up more than 24 points in four quarters. This is an interesting topic that I think Joe Thomas also brought up in his um, prediction of the game on info.com. What do you think? What do you think about this defense going up against the Ravens offense?
1: There's there are some worries there. Uh, You know, you mentioned, I think, on our show Wednesday, it was a good reminder that there was a performance last year where the Bengals allowed just, what, three rushing yards from from Lamar Jackson or something to that effect Uh, in one of the games. They still got blown out by three touchdowns, four touchdowns in that game. So it didn't really make that big of a difference, but it is a promising sign. Now this defense seems to be improved. They seem to have gathered a lot of the pieces that they have wanted. They've remained largely healthy, knock on wood. So I, I think, uh, you know, I, I think we should expect a a pretty pretty decent performance by the defense in this one. I, I What I don't know... Is if the defense will play try and play more of a an aggressive, like force a turnover, really good try and get after Lamar and gamble with, with the sack opportunities type of situation, or if they're gonna play a little bit more, kind of like what they've done, which is yeah, they get the occasional turnover, they get some sacks, but it's been a lot of just get off the field, right? It's been it's been let's let's get off the field type of stuff, let's force the punt and, and go that route instead of the pick sixes or the the gambling type of defense. I don't know that that's going to change this week. My, my guess is they're going to try and play it the way that they have in, in these first six games here where they're just going to say, hey, you know, let's let's just get off the field. However, we can piece that together. Um, I don't know. I, I don't I'm not expecting 30 plus points by the Ravens this week, but I, I expect them to be into the 20s. I,
2: I think blitzing Lamar is is just not a smart idea. Because if if you try to do so, you're leaving your second level very exposed. And there's no quarterback who I would be more confident in of evo- ev- evading just free rushers than Lamar Jackson. And that's just asking to give up big plays unless um, somehow you're able to, co- to co- entirely collapse upon him. Which, again, is very hard to do. I think in the last two years, we've seen the, the evolution of their scheme against Lamar. Basically to try to go with these heavy boxes and put three linebackers on the field and play a lot of contain primarily because they want to take away his rushing ability, but also maybe they didn't have um, a lot of confidence in their pass rush, just getting to him with just four guys. I don't know if that changes this year because they should have more confidence in their front four penetrating the Ravens offensive line in pass rushing situations. So maybe we see some similar things, but maybe they're more confident in their pass rush, just getting to them. And that could lead to more success Well, without having to roll out a lot of the same schematic things that they've done in the last couple of years. So the defense is more equipped to just defend Lamar on its own, but they also have decent tape on how they've been able to do it in the past.
1: Right. Good point. And I, I've said this, I think, I think you agree with me, but a lot of these acquisitions that are now healthy and playing for the Bengals on defense in this game, coming up here on Sunday, DJ reader, Trey Hendrickson, um larry ogunjobi your draft picks of the linebackers from from last year that sort of thing those were the picks that were i think largely made for this game and the way that the ravens are designed so it's now that the Bengals have a lot of those players they didn't have a lot of those players last year in these games because they were so injured now that they have a lot of those guys it's going to be very very interesting to see how they stack up against this team and that ravens offense what they like to do because those are the pieces that i think they have designed that defense to, to for this specific game so um we'll we'll see what happens there before we get to our next couple of questions here we're going to be here a little while longer so shoot those over to us we want to tell you guys and we do this every single week in every single episode we talk about symbol but there is some new news with the promo code that you put in obi at symbol and of course the website is simbull.app is it forward slash or backslash we always get comments from folks saying is it is it backslash forward slash i always like to say backslash this is the way i do it but symbol simbull.app backslash obi is the website to start signing up and of course using the promo code you get a 90-day risk-free deposit bonus. It used to be $100 that was protected in that 90 days, John, but now there is a new benefit. What is that?
2: Oh, my. Just a couple of days ago, we talked about the risk of betting and just gambling in general because you don't want to throw a lot of money in there, but Simple had an offer where if you deposit $100, you get that guaranteed risk-free. Symbol said, you know what? We, we like that. We're going to raise it up a little bit, though five hundred dollars first deposit you get your money back guarantee that's five hundred dollars that you can put into the symbol market in any way shape or form that you want you can invest in the sim Bengals, the sim reds the sim blue jackets any nfl nba mlb hockey or college football team in the power five that you want five hundred dollars in the symbol market and you can put it in there and if you don't like it if you're not really feeling the symbol market you can take that five hundred dollars back Guaranteed risk-free in the first 90 days. It's a great offer to get yourself integrated in the fun, Symbol, NFL, NFL, NBA, MLB, College Football, or Hockey Market. And if you want to go to symbol.app backslash OBI, the promo code OBI, you get those $500 in your first deposit.
1: This is the first time we are sharing this because this came across to us last, I believe, last night, yesterday afternoon, something like that. And so we want to relay this to you on the first available episode. Five hundo. Five hundo. Covered.
0: What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of
1: America and a member FDSE. So, John, where are we going next? Man, I know Symbol really
2: likes us when we are like organic with those reads, but I was struggling there. So thank you guys for staying with me on that one. Mm-hmm. Hey,
1: Blackthorn's um, <laughs> helping out too. Uh, he's helping us exactly. both out. The teams like talk. Yep,
2: there you go. Shout, shout out Blackthorn. So we had a question from uh, Matthew Steinmetz in uh, the Facebook chat. And this is... Topical, not necessarily the greatest reasons, but do you guys think this week is Tyler Shelvin's week to finally get activated and get some playing time versus the Ravens in the rushing attack? And that's the talking point that we brought up right around when Shelvin was drafted. Like, these are the games where Shelvin can potentially make his mark. Um, And this was almost a week where that was going to happen because you had Josh Tupo on the injury report earlier in the week with a knee injury. Then Tupo returned to practice. And unfortunately, on Thursday none other than Tyler Shelvin himself popped up on the injury report with an illness and he is officially questionable for the game on the injury report. So this could have been a Tyler Shelvin game, but unfortunately of all the weeks, this is actually the week that Tyler Shelvin is on the injury report and probably can't play even if the Bengals needed him to.
1: Yeah, that's where I was. I mean, you, you, you hit it on the head there. That's kind of all the the recent happenings with this situation and, and Shelvin, I, I, Again, one of those guys that they've accrued that just seems to be a good fit and for this specific game. And then, of course, you mentioned the Tupo injury that popped up on the injury report earlier this week, and you kind of go, "Wow, well, this is this is shelving time here." And now it's not looking like that that will be the case. But we will we will see. I I don't expect him to be active because of his late addition, especially when you get added late in the week. Uh, it makes it very difficult for for a player to. Come back from that. We don't. I don't think we know exactly what the illness is, right? I mean, he hasn't been. He, he's not on the COVID list, right? Um, yeah, yeah, but we have... yeah, but we saw. I mean, <laughs> we saw what happened with Jackson Carmen last week, and and P Ryan was on the COVID list for a while. So I don't know. I'm not very optimistic. Normally, like you said, normally I would be optimistic that this would be his week, but I guess not.
2: Yeah, it's that time of year. Like I, I was. I was feeling a little bit under the weather earlier in the week when the weather started to turn. And maybe that's the, that's the case of Tyler Shelvin's practicing out in the cold sometimes. So unfortunately, like if he was here last year, you know, when everyone was going down a defensive tackle, he could have got those opportunities, yeah, but he, yeah, he, cho- yeah. he chose the wrong year to be the fifth string um, defensive tackle for the Bengals. Right.
1: Right. Uh, let's go to, we had a text. Um, gosh, we got a couple of good texts here. Uh, Tyler from five, one, three texts and says, uh, I think we need to break talking Ravens for a second. If we, if it were to start today, what would your top three positions of need be in your first round unicorn pick? Um, for, I I assume for the Bengals, meaning next year. Uh, it's not actually Tyler. He said, mine would be Tyler Linderbaum. So I don't know who's, I don't know who this is from five, one, three. Um, so, uh, Tyler Linderbaum would be his or her pick from 513. What what are your needs? And if you got a guy that you go, hey, let's let's target that guy. I don't know. What do you what are you thinking? It's early. We haven't had time to dive into that too much, but what do you think?
2: Yeah, I would say centers up there, probably third on my list of, of potential needs, but you go in no particular order, right tackle and cornerback. Um, just going forward, they need someone beyond Riley Reef. And they need someone beyond Trey Wayne's. So if I had a unicorn there, right here in UC Sauce Garden,
1: yeah. yeah, there you go. That's the guy. Yeah, <laughs> uh, I, I would. I would like to see them, and and they like to do this, but I would like to see them find a guy, whether it's in the first round or the second round, a guy that they feel can give you guard center flexibility, because there's there are still questions. I mean, I think I think Jackson Carmen's headed in the right direction at guard. Um, But you've got Deontay Smith, who you had high hopes for. Uh, He's now got a knee injury done for the year. You know, is he going to be your right tackle? Is he going to be a guard? Quentin Spain playing very well this year, but he's on a one-year contract. Trey Hopkins struggling coming off of the knee injury, still out there playing and, and doing his thing, but struggling a little bit. So I think if they could find a guy that they feel can give them guard center flexibility, a guy that you can plug and play at either spot, um, maybe any of the three interior spots that would, that would be something that I think you really need to look hard, hard at.
2: Agreed. We got, we got to address a couple questions here from Sixer Alex. Um, he's been asking about 30 times about Darius Hodge. And I think he also asked about Thad Moss. So just real quick uh, from my end, uh, no, Darius Hodge will not play this week. He is not above white Ray on the def chart and yep. white Ray is healthy. So yep. there's that. Thaddeus Moss is also currently on the injury,
1: um, injured reserve for the practice squad. <laughs> Sage Ohio says, "Are you related to Hodge?" <laughs> um, yeah, unfortunately, you know, and, and this is this is what we tend to do in terms of guys like, you know, we can go back a, a ton to so many of these guys, right? It, it's it's Hodge this year. It was uh, touchdown Jesus a few years ago, right? Uh, I, I, his name's escaping me at the moment, but is the the wide receiver out of Wisconsin Whitewater. Um, he was a, a, a preseason hero. Dane Sonsenbacher, you can say DeQuinn Evans. He was a guy that went, I think, to K- Kentucky. So a lot of local Bengals fans really liked him. Um, and, and so, and none of these guys, they shined in preseason and they never did anything in the pros. Not saying that will be the case for Darius Hodge, but we got to be a little careful in terms of these preseason heroes and automatically, especially when they're when they're rookies or, or very young players, um, you know, it, it's, a, it's a lot different going in preseason games and excelling than it is going against top starter caliber talent in the NFL in the regular season. It's just a lot different. So they seem to be more comfortable with Wyatt Ray as the rotational piece. They like what Cam Sample has given him as a rotational guy. And until there's probably, unfortunately, an injury or someone's just not doing what they're supposed to be doing, he's probably going to be wallowing on the bench.
2: But in fairness to Sixer Alex, I think I would like to see Hodge eventually. And I think this is a decent matchup for him. The problem is if they want to use him primarily along the right edge, that's taking Trey Hendrickson off the field. And taking Trey Hendrickson off the field right now is basically diminishing the Bengals defense to a point where they probably can't operate. So maybe if you want to use Hodge off the left edge and give Sam Hubbard a break, I wouldn't mind that. But for, for right now, Hendrickson's playing so hot, you don't really need to take him off the field.
1: Yeah, and there, it's not like there's an absolute dry spell on on sacking the quarterback like there was last year. If, they, if that becomes an issue, then, yeah, you got to probably look at mixing things up and getting a guy like that in there that you think can maybe give you a, a, some kind of a spark, even on a very, very limited snap basis. By the way, our buddy, the Orange Arrows, it reminded me, Jay Kumarow, that was the guy's name. Thank you so much. We're, we're diving into all kinds of different stuff. So his name just briefly – briefly escaped me. Um let's uh let's keep going here. Are, are you good on time, John? If we get to a couple more?
2: Time is never a factor for me.
1: <laughs> okay, let's see. Um I uh this is from 614. I I don't want to be a skeptic, but I am highly concerned about our offensive line still when I just watched the game, and even with the Lions, there was a lot of push up and down the line. Also, I don't know if you saw if you guys saw this on the TV broadcast, but Duke Tobin had a headset on. Um, Anthony, I shot you a uh, DM on Twitter with the image. Um, not that it bothers me, but found it interesting. I'm sorry if I did not respond to that DM. I, I'm not the best Twitter guy. I apologize. But... Um, First of all, I, there's a couple of questions here. The one thing I saw, the offensive line actually got surprisingly good grades. Even Trey Hill, the guy who struggled and was pulled in the game, uh, had a resp- – I think he was in the mid-60s for pro football-focused grades. Uh, Jackson Carmen actually had a pretty decent one. Um, uh, yeah, he was one of the top, top-rated top guys in the week, although his snaps were limited because he left with the illness, et cetera. Uh, so a lot of the guys – Riley Reif struggled a little bit, but I did notice even on that that one – deep chase ball. Um, Jackson Carmen kind of got bowled back, but I think he was taking on two guys at the, at the time with it, on that deep throw. So I had to look at really kind of look at that a couple times because I was like, oh man, did he get beat bad there? But then it looked like he was tasked with kind of covering, you know, getting his hands on two different guys there and getting pushed back. I don't know. I, look, I, this is still going to be a work in progress. I think it's showing the marginal improvement that we thought. Quentin Spain has been playing pretty well. Uh, Jonah Williams has been playing pretty, pretty well. Riley Reef has been steady. He had kind of a rough week last week, but he has been steady, especially comparative to Bobby Hart. So it, to me, yeah, there' are struggles, but it's kind of that it, it, it's where I kind of thought they would be at this point. I not think they'd be outstanding, but I think they'd be okay.
2: It's weird because the only spot where I think we can all agree that hasn't been improved is the guy that ha- that has been there since what, like four years now, Trey Trey Hopkins only because we don't know if he's hundred percent or not. Like he's unfortunately not as played as well this year as he has in years past, but all four other positions are playing better than how they played last year. Jonah Williams looks improved. Quinn Spain is playing like one of the better left guards in the entire league right now. Jackson Carmen, despite his struggles is still an improvement over what they had last year and Riley Reef, despite his occasional struggles is obviously better than Bobby Hart. So, there is improvement on 80% of the offensive line and the 20% that's not improved is just because the guy could be still injured and it's not hundred percent ready to come back. Or that's just the case of Trey Hopkins being 29, 30 years old coming off yet another torn ACL. Maybe this is just how he is for the rest of his career. And this is just kind of just the tipping point of how he unfortunately goes downhill maybe from here. So it's improved, but yeah, I, I understand the, the persistent skepticism regarding to it because just because it's improved doesn't mean it's it's above average by any means and against a good pass rush and a good scheme against the ravens it could potentially potentially lead to trouble
1: i want to say this it's easy for us um and we've i I think we've been politely critical of trey hopkins i want to say this not only should we be understanding based on like you said coming back from the knee injury and did so we we constantly need to remind people that he did he Injured in the last game of the year last year, so I mean, yeah. it, it's it, he. The fact that he is starting right now is is a near miracle. And on top of that, even if this is kind of the last season, or he never regains his form after this injury or something, that's a guy that I respect the hell out of what he's done for his career because he bounced on and off this roster, never really got a shot. They tried him at guard, tried him at center, played him at tackle. They've done all kinds of different stuff with him over the years. And he groomed himself into a starting center in this league. And for a while, was until this year really, was was pretty decent uh, at the center position and came to the rescue when Billy Price was a, a failure of a first-round pick. So, you know, I, I know it's easy for all of us I, I, to bag on Trey Hopkins and what we've seen this year, um, and it hasn't been good. But I, I just – I still respect what he has done and, and the fact that he came back as soon as he did from this injury.
2: Yeah, I almost feel dirty for like saying that stuff about Trey Hopkins because I I, there's 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 not a lot of other players on this team that I love more than Trey Hopkins. I I think you you summarized his entire career very beautifully there, but just like the fact that he went from like left guard to playing tackle in the preseason to playing right guard for uh, for like half a year in 2017, if they had just tried him out at center before the 2018 season, I don't know what different trajectory the offense line takes but it probably takes a much better one because then they don't draft billy price they're not forced to take a center in the first round of that draft because they have a guy in trey hopkins that can fulfill that role better and they kind of just lucked into that when billy price got hurt in 2018 so he's been nothing but a a stable sense of consistency at basically five different positions and for being a guy who wasn't drafted and had several injuries the first three years of his career he is the epitome of a good nfl story
1: yeah for sure 100 uh we're getting a lot of questions john about just kind of some updates on guys who have either come back from ir return or guys who are on the injury report i'm seeing mark fry here asking about hendrickson today uh, i'm seeing shorty d17 what are we hearing on khalid kareem there was another question i think in our our comment thread on cincy jungle asking about identity who was cleared to practice this week after tearing that pec and having surgery on that. I was a little surprised that he came back as soon as he did there personally, but um, your thoughts on some of these guys that are being mentioned here, Hendrickson, Khalid Kareem um, and and whatnot.
2: Yeah, so Khalid Kareem was cleared to practice last week and Mm -hmm. because Ricardo Allen was cleared to practice a few weeks prior and he immediately came back to the active roster, that created the assumption that that was also going to happen with Khalid Kareem, but that has not happened. And then Zach Taylor has said that they're going to give uh, Kareem like one more week of practice and then reevaluate if he's ready. But they only have, I think a three week window to actually activate him back to the roster. So basically he better be ready by next week or else they'll have to put him back on, on IR or something like that with the denegy, Yeah. So he was placed on the non-injured list uh, before the season began, which gave him six weeks to recover But then to be able to come back, I don't I don't know if that's also a three week window for him to come back after he's cleared to practice. But if that's the case, then we might see him like after the bye week.
1: Yeah. And then Hendrickson was limited this week with a a shoulder injury limited Wednesday, limited Thursday. We're waiting to see what happens here on Friday. I would still think he's a go um, just personally, but I I don't know how how bad that situation is. We got to hear more. As the the situation unfolds Friday here, but uh, that's it's not good. But I, I don't think we've been hearing any kind of doom and gloom stuff with him, have we?
2: No, I think he, so. He was a full participant, according to uh, Robin. Was he today? Yeah. So if he's limited, than he's he should be fine
1: yeah i think i think i think he's good it might have been just a little precautionary thing there so a couple updates on some of those there uh let's get to maybe one or two more and hop out of here john what do you think
2: uh sure so this is a question that i can't answer but maybe you can answer anthony um andrew seiler is asking oh god is he is he the only one who thinks big ben looks like the monster from ernst uh scared stupid i don't know what that is
1: uh, you don't know what Ernest Scared Stupid is. Ernest was no. a, a guy, a character that was created in like the 80s and 90s, and he, he had these kind of sticky deals where it, you know he had a saying, you know what I mean, Vern? He was just this like kind, of just this caricature of a of a guy, and I don't know if he was, I, I don't know if it was like a regional thing or whatever. He was just kind of this different cat, um, and. It's hard to explain. These movies are just slapstick and stupid and whatever, but you know, they're good for a couple laughs or two. Uh, I, I don't, unfortunately, know what the monster from Ernest Scared Stupid looks like. I guess I could, I could pull that up and we can maybe.
2: Apparently, show it looks like a uh, Ben. So, okay, That's well there, yeah, that.
1: there you go. I've seen a lot of different uh, caricatures of of Ben as well. I've seen him as the the. <laughs> The bad guy in Goonies, one of the monsters in Goonies. I've seen all kinds of different things, so I I don't know. Ben blocked me once, um, and he since he uh, on Twitter, and he has since unblocked a bunch of people on Twitter. So I'm not going to sit here and call him this, that, or the other thing. But we'll we'll put this out there from Andrew, and we'll let the masses decide on what what they think about about Ben Roethlisberger, who is just still a villain, villain, villain in. Bengals' minds there there are a lot of others to get to uh and we appreciate all of the 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 questions i have one i guess that i i put it out on twitter because i heard it on my ride home this morning i I was at physical therapy and then i came home and on that ride home i was listening to colin cowherd john and i don't want to i don't want to like slam colin cowherd and i don't want to misquote him but essentially there was a quote this week by phil sims calling Joe Burrow, the next Joe Montana. And somehow Colin Cowherd has turned that into not that great of a compliment because he said that by today's NFL standards, you should be looking for the next Josh Allen, the next Patrick Mahomes, and not necessarily the next Joe Montana. He said he excludes Brady because he thinks Brady's a complete outlier. He's the greatest of all time and no one compares to him, et cetera. But he thinks instead of, Hey, this is the next Joe Montana. The mindset should be: I'm looking for the next Patrick Mahomes and Josh Allen, huge guys, big-armed QBs that can uh, run a, a, a quite a bit as well. I don't know. I, 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 it's. I guess my question is: what do you, what do you think of that? I, I know you don't like giving Colin Cowherd airtime on our show, but what do you, what do you make of that kind of take on that? I just, I've never heard of someone taking that compliment and going, "Yeah, that's not that great of a compliment."
2: Well, honestly, I kind of agree with Coward a little bit. I I think no. All right. So here's my perspective. 2014, I was infatuated with the idea of Teddy Bridgewater to the Bengals. I thought that he was going to be the next great quarterback because Teddy embodied the qualities of Brady, Manning and Breeze with pocket footwork and pocket manipulation and touch and stuff. And Teddy is still a decent quarterback, but we've seen the evolution of of what makes a great quarterback. And that evolution is in the form of Josh Allen and Patrick and Patrick Mahomes. Uh, when those guys hit, unfortunately not all those guys, the big arms and, and the, and the mobility, they don't always hit. you know, some, some traits are more stable and what translates into good call into good professional quarterbacks. But I agree in the sense that you know, like Teddy and Tua, like those guys w- with their limitations, they don't stack up to the other great quarterbacks. With that being said, the full film Phil, Phil Sims quote was, Joe Montana is one of the greatest quarterbacks of all time. Joe Burrow's a little quicker, probably a little bit more athletic and maybe a little bit of a stronger arm than Joe Montana. So Cowherd took the Montana comparison quite literally too literally and did fail to mention the fact that Sims classified Burrow as a more modern version of Montana that could survive and compete with the likes of the other quick and strong arm quarterbacks. So close Colin, but not quite.
1: Yeah, and I don't think he was saying it's it's not a compliment. He just was saying that's that shouldn't be the bar, um, and that shouldn't be that great of praise because of today's NFL and where, where it's headed, et cetera, et cetera. So I don't – you know, I don't uh, – I didn't know what to make of it. I was listening to that on my drive home. I'm going, what? I just wh- – why is that like a, a thing? I just – It kind of left me speechless a little bit, but I, I mean, I look, of course you want to get those, the, the big guys, the the prototypical six, five type of guys, guys that can run guys that have the cannons of the arm. And and obviously in the case of Josh Allen, if you're not that accurate, when you come into the league, you develop higher accuracy, but you've got one Super Bowl between those two guys and what four with Montana. So, I, I mean, I think if you're looking at that and you look at the type of quarterback, You know, there's been some Brady talk with with Joe Burrow. I think the Montana comparison is apropos as well. Just, you know, enough athleticism, enough arm strength and the ability to win, the ability to carry a team on your shoulders and the ability to distribute the ball to a lot of different other talented weapons on a team and use those weapons in a really efficient manner. All of those are compliments. And that's what Montana excelled at and being quote unquote, Joe cool in those tense moments. And I think that's where, where you see a little bit of Joe Burrow as well in those tense moments in games.
2: He also classified like Brady as the outlier, even though Brady was also compared to Montana. I'm pretty <laughs> sure he right. looked up to Montana being like, uh, like a, a San Francisco kid and whatnot. So Burrow kind of fits that mold too of like, okay, he may not have, the great physical tools, but he has these intangibles that are hard to quantify, but you only see him in so many quarterbacks and you're starting to see with Joe. And we had Mike Patrackley on to talk about the similarities between a young Joe Burrow and young Tom Brady. So I don't know. It's kind of nearing that um, territory a little bit.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, I had to get that one off my chest before we get out of here. Are there any other questions you want to get to before we hop out of here? We're closing in on an hour here.
2: No, but I have we're, we're, we're going to get trendy a little bit. I wanted, yeah. to, I wanted to ask you like a hypothetical that was originally something on the internet in 2014, but um, m- my generation social media has kind of brought it up. Um, it kind of gave it new life and rebirthed it a little bit. So Anthony, it's basically a hypothetical would you situation. Okay. You, you get $10 million and hmm. are granted immortality. But the catch is that there is a snail Somewhere in the world that is coming to you, he moves at the pace of a normal traditional snail, but he is also immortal. You cannot stop him. You cannot prohibit him from getting to you. And as soon as he gets to you, no matter how long that happens or how much time passes for that to happen, if he gets to you and touches you, you die. Would you take the deal?
1: Uh, that, that is mind blown stuff. So what I I don't understand is the caveat that I can move around and, and try to try to avoid it. You you,
2: you can do whatever, like you can't put the snail in a box because the snail will like basically phase through the box. The snail, it has its own agenda. He's got the drive of just an unrelenting force of nature.
1: Uh, I have never heard of this. Um, I I guess, I mean, being immortal, if no one else is immortal that you're close to, kind of stinks because you, you see everyone, that you care about kind of pass away and all that kind of stuff. But uh, this this is a, this is a trip of a question. I, I am not enough beers deep on this one to, to, to answer this one. <laughs> I mean, I guess, I guess I would take it. I don't, I don't know. What, what, what how are you responding to this since it has resurfaced?
2: I, I think it's it's beyond just you versus a snail. Like anyone can avoid the snail. You can always just move away from the snail. You're mortal, you're rich, you can you have all this power to do whatever you want. It's basically how you confront the fact of mortal like immortality. Are you comfortable with the fact that nothing in this life can kill you except this this seemingly unimposing f- figure, but he has the power he is the only one that has the power to basically end your life. And are you okay with just living thousands or maybe millions of years? going away from this little tiny Gary snail moving at like 0.00001 miles per hour. But with that speed comes the inevitable fate of your untimely death. I think that's just mainly the question that revolves around it. But with that said, yes, I take the deal.
1: Yeah. And you've got, you've prompted all kinds of different questions here. Sage, Ohio, do I know where the snail starts? That's a good question.
2: The snail can start wherever you want it to start. It can start all the way over in like Mongolia for all I care.
1: Okay, and then Brian in Iowa, of course, uh, resident comedian here. Brian in Iowa is weed legal in Ohio, um, and then you've got Mark Fry. Is it a is it a Joe Montana snail or a Josh Allen? Snail? <laughs> that's another one, uh, <laughs> Mark Fry. So that's a that's a good one. Um, anyway, I, that is a I have to go and see where did this thing originate. This is like an old thing.
2: It, it wasn't. It was old quote unquote it was like 2014 it popped up initially and then tiktok kind of has been running with it for the past week or something so
1: yeah (laughs) crazy i'll have to i'll have to dig deep and really rack my brain on this one but uh that is one one heck of a way to end the episode i love it i love it uh what do you got for us on our way out besides some snail games for us there john Snail games,
2: squid games, a lot of games going on right now. It's only one game that matters, though. Bengals-Ravens.
1: Yep, yep. And you predicted just I, – I think we both predicted a close loss by the Bengals in this one on our Wednesday show, correct? Sticking with that, despite a lot of people saying that I lack faith. Yeah, yeah. I will say for, for... – Bringing up the Colin Cowherd thing, he does think that uh, the Bengals will have a good showing this week, and he did pick them to potentially upset the Packers a couple of weeks ago. So he's not super down on the Bengals, but uh, there's just some things that, I don't know, he just likes to poke the bear with that team. I I don't know what the deal is. Anyway, enough Colin Cowherd talk. This is our show. This is our show. And this is the Orange and Black Insider, part of the Cincy Jungle Podcast channel. Get this show on all the major audio platforms. Subscribe to the Cincy Jungle Podcast channel where it's the Orange and Black Insider, Orange is the New Black from Mason Zim, and of course, Matt Minnick's Chalk Talk and Coach Speak. You can find those there. And if you like the videos, you can subscribe to our YouTube channel right by John's microphone there. Click that logo and hit the bell to be notified when we go live and when new stuff is available. We're bringing you... uh, at least four upwards of five episodes a week. So we're bringing you all kinds of stuff on our show alone. And that's not including the others on the Cincy jungle podcast channel. So trying to bring you stuff all the time. So check it out, leave us a review. Thanks for all the support. Thanks for all the questions this week. We're going to get out of here, John, have a good weekend. I'm sure we'll talk as we write some things on Cincy jungle, but uh, have a good rest of your weekend, but
2: have a good rest of your weekend too, Anthony and everyone else listening. And Zim, Mazel Tov. I forgot to say that Wednesday, but congratulations, man.
1: That's right. That's right. Congrats, Zim. Take it easy, everybody.